Welcome to the Ecom Wiz Podcast, a podcast that helps Amazon sellers to dominate the marketplace. And I do mean dominate. Dominate. Each week, we deliver the best interviews with some of the top Amazon influencers in the industry. This is the Ecom Wiz Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Rob Stanley with Feedback Wiz and the Ecom Wiz Podcast. Today, I got a special guest, Sajag Agarwal. And he's CEO and founder of Movly. And that's basically a Chinese inspection company to help you when you're bringing your items over from China or you're getting them made over in the factories. And today we're going to talk about a lot about inspections, the process that we go through, uh, some flywheel, when in the process they do it. So uh, thank you for being on the show, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. Uh, I think one really important uh, thing to uh, clarify, so we do inspections in China, but we're not a Chinese company. In fact, we're the only U.S.-based inspection company, uh, which is super awesome because that means you have U.S. people talking to you for sales, talking to you for account management, native English speakers in the back office, so people who actually understand uh, your product, what you're doing, and what needs to be done. Yeah, no, that's that's great to know, right? Because a lot of the inspection companies are, you know, Chinese based. So you got somebody you can get a hold of, you can talk to, they communicate with you. They're probably on the U.S. time schedule, so uh, easier to get a hold of during business hours. So let's jump right into this. Let's go straight into uh, people that are either selling on Amazon or want to start selling on Amazon. Let's kind of tell them at what point in the process do they need these inspections done and what's involved with the inspections or better yet, what, what do they need to prep for the inspection? Yeah, definitely. So there's two main kinds of inspections that uh, we specialize in. And one is a during production inspection and the second is a pre-shipment inspection. Now, it really depends on your product, but on a general basis, uh, during production inspections are recommended for any new products. So if you're doing a new product, a new production, and it's your first time taking that product to production, you should be having a during production inspection. And additionally, if you're working with a new factory or a, a new supplier, you should also be getting a during production inspection. And if the first one goes well, and sometimes some of our clients opt to do a second one, uh, by the time they get to the third one, uh, you know, then it's kind of done randomly. So we recommend doing it maybe every three inspections or every five inspections, depending on the risk and the product cost. Uh, it doesn't really make sense after the first few inspection uh, runs to do it uh, consistently. Yeah. But uh, on a during production inspection, one of the biggest things is that we check the production line. It's like a documentation on the production line. So for example, if you're creating a really complex product or even a simple product, there could be a finishing step, right? Let's say you have a pot and there's a polishing step that they run it through maybe a machine like a salt spray machine to polish up the um the steel or whatever it might be. So a lot of times, uh, very subtle changes happen in the production line, especially in times of trade wars, like we see right now. Um, A lot of factories start cutting corners. Now, when they cut a corner, like let's say the polishing step, sometimes it's really small, like it might be a second polishing step instead of the first polishing step. So what a during production inspection does it's essentially like around 20% of production or about 30%. Uh, that's kind of where we recommend doing it at. We check the products and make sure that the products coming out of the production line, first of all, are meeting the proper quality criteria, similar to like a pre-shipment inspection. We check the finished goods and make sure they're actually correct, they're correctly made. And the second piece is that we also take a look into 
the production line. So we document all the production steps, step one, step two, step three, step four. And actually, you know, Mobley is the only inspection company that does that in the during production inspections. So by the time you get to the third order or the fourth order, if you do a, another during production inspection, then you can see again what the production line steps are. And if they're different than the first inspection, like let's say they skipped a step, like a QC step or a polishing step, you might not notice that until it's too late or until the product is with the customer because it's such a small change. It might affect the durability. It might affect the long-term use. Uh, you're able to essentially catch that really early on. And uh, that's really key. Yeah. So, so let's actually just for any kind of the new, let's say new Amazon sellers, let's just back, take a little step back for them and, and kind of let them know what, in what part of the process this is done. So, cause you're kind of talking about actually two different ones, right? You're talking almost right. like a, I wouldn't say it's a pre-production, but it kind of is like an early on and then a kind of final. Then you're actually talking about creating like a standard operating procedure that you're basically referencing from that point on. So, what he's referring to right now is basically you've already, let's say you've agreed to, you know, you got your samples from a factory, you are good with the sample. Now you want to make sure that that sample that you got that's good quality and past everything that you expected is going to come out that same exact way when they do your full production. So basically you've already probably put a down payment. They're probably getting ready to start the process of making the product, right? And correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and then basically is, so you guys will come in there at somewhere just as it starts or always after or both. Uh, so the pre-shipment inspection, which is the other type of inspection that's done after the production is complete. And that's recommended really for every production order. It doesn't matter if it's your first one, your second one, maybe your 10th one. It's yeah. really recommended for all production orders and it's customizable. So you can reduce the price, you know, if the price is the objection, if it's a lower price product, um, you know, you can reduce the sample size, reduce the specifications, the SOPs, uh, which we'll kind of dive into. And that can really ease off the brakes and lower the cost. But it's recommended for all production orders. Now, the during production inspection, that's recommended around 20 or 30% of production. So that's just as production started. Uh, just the first couple of units are getting off the production line. Whether you're doing 10,000 units or you know 2,000 units, the production line around 10, 15, 20% is just getting smooth. The operations are running properly. So the products coming out around 10, 20% of production completion, those are products that you know are have been checked. They've been run through QC, and that's really when you want to dive into the pro into the uh, production and really check the units. That's kind of the key time frame. So, like, if you think yeah. about it, like, let's say there's a defect with the product. If you catch that defect at eighty percent, fifty percent, even a hundred percent of production completion, the factory is just going to come back and tell you, you know, hey, I'm sorry, this is a misunderstanding. But you know, the production is already complete. You paid the deposit. You need to buy the rest of the goods. And your options are essentially pay the deposit and get the goods, redo the production, lose the deposit, and lose the supplier as well, or um, you know, or you know, or, or another option. So it's not; it doesn't really look that attractive at that stage. So the during production inspection essentially gets you someone competent in the factory that can look at your products and then check the products. So you, when you get your report, you can make sure, okay, hey, is my factory producing this product correctly? Like, I'll tell you a story actually in my own product. So we were producing a product and there were two color variations. There was gray and there was silver. And the first order, we commissioned gray. The invoice, everything was gray. But the product that we had, they ended up producing was silver. So mm. we did a during production inspection at about 20% uh, of uh, production completion. 
And we found out that all the products they were creating were silver. Now, that was a factory error. That was not our error. But by catching that error, the factory was able to stop the production. And we ended up getting you know, these couple thousand units for free that we would not have got otherwise um, because the factory essentially thanked us for catching their mistake. And let me guess, the silver probably ended up selling better than the gray. Isn't that the way it, sometimes it works? <laughs> yes. Actually, the, um, the silver one, um, has it happened to say that? Actually, the silver one was the number one uh, product in Prime Day of, I believe, 2017 in the electronics category on Amazon. So, yes. How funny is that, right? It always, things always that, like that always work out. So, let's uh, talk a little bit. So, when people go to have an inspection done, they, they need to have... Well, they usually need to have an understanding of how the factory works and what their product works, at least a high level or what they want from that, right? Like you were just talking about like the silver and gray issue. So when they come to you, do you have kind of a form you send them that says, you know, we need some guidelines on what we're looking for, or is that something they need to create ahead of time? Let's give them a little idea of what they need to kind of do ahead of time before they kind of come to you and say, hey, go check out my items and make sure they're right. Sure, definitely. And before we get into that, actually, if you if you don't mind, I would like to take a step back and just start yeah. off with like what is an inspection? Because I yeah. think a lot of people just starting out may not even know what an inspection is. So I think an inspection, just to kind of summarize, what an inspection is, is that someone physically goes to your factory and checks your goods before they're shipped out of the factory or during production. And they go to the factory, they check the goods according to your specifications, which I'll dive into in a second on how those are made. Um, and then so they send you a report. So that report has a lot of photos. It has a lot of descriptions, details that you can then use to say, okay, hey, my product is made correctly or my product is not. Yeah. And, um, you know, a really long report, <laughs> generally, like our reports are like around 50 pages. But um, with essentially with the specifications, the specifications can make or break the inspections. If you don't have the proper specifications in place um, and the right inspection company to actually execute those specifications, that inspection is essentially crap. It's a placebo, you know, might give you some sense of security, but it doesn't actually mean anything. Yeah. And so the way we've designed our process, so like you mentioned, we do send out a customer form when you're ready to book an inspection with uh, a list and a lot of questions. We try to, the, the term we use internally is gamify. So you want it to feel like it's almost like playing a game. You know, you go in, you hit the right button. And it's like, you know, do you want to do A? Do you want to do B? And we just try to make it really easy and not very mentally taxing um, to really ease your way into getting the perfect specifications for the product. And we also give recommendations. But the way we've designed our process is we've split the checks into six different types of checks. And those checks are generally uh, like function tests, their safety tests, wear and tear tests, and uh, we also have uh, quantity checks. We also have um, a general specification check, and then we have a visual inspection. So most inspection companies, they just do a visual inspection, and then they might do a function test if you get lucky for maybe one to three units. Uh, that's not really statistically significant. Now, what we do to kind of do the pro in terms of the process is that a lot of products may not need wear and tear tests. They might not need safety tests. So the process is really modular. You can set however many tests you want for each category and how many units you want to test, whether it's three units, five units, or the entire sample size. Yeah. So 
the way that we recommend doing the test is for a function test, it's just like a simple product function. So for example, if the product is supposed to fold open and close like it's a chest and it opens and closes or like a door, um, that's, that's a bad example. You can't uh, test an installed door, but uh, the, um, you know, like a lamp, it turns on and off. That's a function test. The bulb is working. It, I, a cable for the phone, right? It charges the iPhone. So similar, that's a function test. Uh, now, the second type of test is a safety test. So for example, in electronics, it might be like an over-voltage test. For apparel, it might be taking a metal detector and putting it over the clothes to make sure there's no needles in the stuffed animal or in the clothes. So those tests are obviously dependent on the factory. Like, you know, we can't be, we can't bring a metal detector and all this heavy equipment into the factory. Uh, the factory has to have that equipment. And that's something that you have to talk with the factory in, uh, with, in advance. And then the third type of made product test is a wear and tear test. So for example, if it's a metal product, sometimes it's putting it through like a salt spray machine or putting it through like a, you know, a tensile stretch. So for example, for a cable, uh, they put it in a machine that basically takes the two ends and stretches it and then tells you the lateral weight that it can hold before it breaks. So oh, I hope that was too loud. No, <laughs> the, no, uh, that was good. Uh, you know, actually, I want to just step in there for a second though. So let's make sure people are aware because I've run into this issue when I was ordering stuff out of China that sometimes the factories are going to say, oh, the inspection's included. And then they're going yeah. to use their own people in their own factory, and they're going to tell you it always comes out great and everything's working. So what we're talking about right now is a third-party inspection company. You want to use them. Don't let a factory talk you into their own inspection company or them doing it themselves. Now, one thing I did want to note, though, that a lot of times, though, if you're looking for certain specs, you can at least get spec sheets from them to give to you guys. Uh, so, because a lot of times what's going to happen is Amazon sellers, right? They're going to find this product. They did all the research on it. They found out it's a good selling product. They may not be an expert at it. They may just say, hey, this is a great product. I found a factory that sent me a great sample, but I don't know a ton about it. You know, I don't, I don't know the certain specs and things on it. So this is where you'd ask the factory for the specs sheet and then you could give it to your guys's company and then they will go verify that it meets the spec sheet that was given to them and hopefully you have maybe somebody independent that can test a sample against that spec sheet is that so just to kind of give people a little idea of what we're talking about here yeah exactly and one really good way in addition to the spec sheet is talking to the factory and asking them how they do the qc themselves so a good factory uh, they know how to do qc they have a QC team. They often have an R&D department. So one thing that we look at when we do supplier audits, actually, is that, first of all, does the factory have an R&D lab? And do they have R&D employees? And the second thing we check for is, do they have a quality testing lab? Now, the really good factories, and sometimes also the bigger factories is kind of a little bit biased. The bigger factories will have a separate lab just for quality control employees, where the workers will literally come into the production line, take random uh, a random selection of units off the production line, and then take it to the special lab where it's tested for quality control. So a good factory has a good number of R&D um, employees. Their QC staff are actually labeled separately from the regular production line workers. And in addition to that, they have a quality control testing lab that they run through the test. So they have quality control testing documents and specifications that they should be able to provide to you. Uh, that you can use and give to us, and we can run through those same tests, and make sure that it meets the specifications. And that should be done before you even talk, or, or like right when you're talking about negotiating price. Because if you negotiate, 
pay the price down, that's when the specifications come down to. So, you know, right before you start negotiating the price, you should have those specifications put into place. So that way, no one can move the dial on where the production, uh, what the quality and the production requirements should be. Yeah, no, that that's great information for sure. And then um, I remember, oh, wait, I, there was one question I think people were going to ask, and I think I forgot to ask it. So it may be a no, but what about when it comes to, let's say, like underwriter laboratory UL certifications? Do you guys handle that or anything in that area? Or is that uh, just outside of the scope of the inspection stuff? So right now, that's not something we're looking, uh, we're doing currently. That's something we're looking into, like, thir- you know, lab testing and kind of combining that with inspections, especially if you're doing like a food product or something like that. But right now, we don't work in consumables and we don't work with lab testing. So UL certification, things like that, that would be something handled by your factory. Okay. Um, that's not something we do currently. Gotcha. Um, but one other thing I wanted to mention, kind of going back on what we were just talking about, is that in our inspection reports, and again, we're the only company that does this, but we actually have a factory overview report. It's like the first page of our supplier audits, and we give some key metrics. It's kind of like a heart monitor. So like similar to when you go to a hospital, you get like a heart monitor, it goes beep, 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 you know, and if you're dead, it beep, right? <laughs> so in the same way, um, we have like a very similar kind of heart monitor of the factory on this first page of the inspection report. And this is standard with every inspection report where we actually take all the employees, we take the turnover, we divide it by department. So you can see exactly how many employees there are, where they're, what department they're in, if they have like five R&D employees or 10, how many QC workers are there, et cetera. So you get all of those lined up on the report. And that's super helpful because if you see like in a trade war, even like in a time of turbulence, hey, if the employee drops, uh, employee count dropped suddenly, or if their growth went from you know 10 million in revenue to 50 million in revenue in the last two years, then you know those are red flags. Hey, the factory is shutting down, or hey, this factory is growing way too fast. And if they're five xing the revenue in a year, you know, I, I can almost guarantee that their production line and their staff, their management is probably not built to scale to that level. Yeah, or somebody came in bigger than you and took over the production line, and you're going to get probably put on the back burner. And just run when they have time. So that's another thing that'll happen if if you notice. Uh, what about uh, a good question? I was thinking of was there's times that people are let's say you're talking with somebody, you got samples from them, and I mean if people don't know the difference between a trading company and a factory, when I give you a connection, you know, hey, here's my contact, and they give you the name of the factory, and you go over, will you let me know if you found out, hey, the guy I'm dealing with is actually a trading company using a factory or sales repping for a factory. Is that something you guys will, you know, notify me of if, if I'm dealing with, uh, a, say, a trading company that's not exactly the factory? Yeah, definitely. So most of the time, we can tell you, but not directly. And mm-hmm. that's because um, most of the time, 99.9% of the time, if you're dealing with a trading company, when we go do the inspection and we check the factory, um, or we do a supplier audit, which is like just a direct factory check, most of the time, the, the trading companies and the sourcing agents, first of all, there won't be really any factory there. And yeah. second of all, they may not even let us come through. They might not let us go to the inspection. We've had times where we've literally uh, tried to do a supplier audit or an inspection, and the factory literally said, oh, oh I'm sorry, uh, you can't come unless the owner is with you. 
And obviously the owner, you know, is not going to come from the United States, you know, fly down to do an inspection on an order. That's ridiculous. And uh, they just make that kind of excuse that, oh, you know, we have confidential or da-da-da-da-da. They make some kind of excuse. And that's kind of a big telltale right then and there that this is a trading company or a sourcing agent or some kind of weird operation. Now, it's really difficult because even if the factory has the production equipment and they are producing this, a lot of factories do contract out. Like even Foxconn, for example, if you order from Foxconn, they have a lot of factories all around China in the Shenzhen and the Dongguan area that they contract out to. So you can do the inspection. They can ship it all off to the Foxconn HQ or the Foxconn factory and you can do the inspection there. But at the same time, that doesn't really mean much because it could still be contracted out or done by, you know, they're still kind of a trading company in that capacity. Yeah. So definitely a little tricky to tell. But that is something we are able to find in our supplier audits. This is something we currently have in beta only. This is not something we're publicly offering right now because it's a lot of companies. Uh, there's a lot of complexity and we're limited on people that can do it, that are trained to do it, and also the areas we can do it at. But the supplier audits are really key because those essentially, when we go to the factory, we check the products, we check the production line, we kind of check a little bit of their history, their books, kind of whatever they let us show, whatever they show us. We, we look into that, we check everything, and we can tell pretty quickly some telltale signs on, okay, this factory is operating as a trading company. This factory is actually a factory. But yeah. you know, then again, it's still tricky because you can have a factory that is operating as, you know, as a factory, but also operating as a trading company in, this, in the same product lines or in a different product line capacity. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly true. And then one thing I found too is sometimes, I mean, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of times uh, the factory name will usually match the company name, but sometimes they can have multiple company names. But if you're dealing directly with the factory, usually the fact name of the factory will be the same name of the company that you're sending the money to or you know wiring the money to. So in general, in general, not every time, but in general. Then you were starting to tell me a little bit about the supply chain flywheel. So why don't we dive into that and explain to everybody the supply chain flywheel for me. Definitely. And one other thing I just wanted to add on what we were just talking about, the during production inspections are kind of the key giveaways for that. So if you're doing a during production inspection, there's actually a production line going on. So if you do the during production inspection, the factory agrees to it, and you're, we go to the factory and we check the production line, uh, that's a production that's happening in the factory in real time. The address of that production, everything is documented in that report. So if the during production inspection goes through, then you can kind of make sure that, okay, this factory is operating in the factory capacity. And that's one of the other reasons we always recommend it for new suppliers uh, in addition to just new products. Yeah, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. All right, let's jump into this supply chain flywheel you're telling me about. This was really good information. Everybody listen up. This is good info right here. Go for it. Definitely. So uh, one of the biggest misconceptions about supply chain is that people think it's like a set it and forget it thing. Hey, I found my supplier. They're making a good product. End of story. I'm just going to keep reordering. I've set the supplier. I've set up the supply chain. End of story. And that is the biggest misconception I feel in the supply chain kind of sector right now. And it's definitely not. Supply chain is not a set it and forget it thing. It should evolve continuously and it should continuously improve the product quality over time, even without increasing costs. And if it's a good flywheel and you have a good product and good specifications, taking good precautions in place, that means that your 
flywheel should actually be lowering your product costs as well as increasing your product quality over time. And that's really, really key. So the supply chain flywheel, I kind of feel it's made up about of three things, three steps. Number one is databasing customer reviews and customer service inquiries. Number two, emailing customers, asking for feedback and providing them with beta products and getting more feedback from them. So, and the third is putting that information right back into the supply chain to improve the products and lower the costs over time. So those are the three elements of the supply chain flywheel. And it's kind of a, uh, a you know, kind of, it's just a flywheel. It keeps yeah. on improving, keeps on going through again and again and again. It's nonstop and it's constant. Yeah, no, that's, that's perfect information. And, and so there's actually going to be a webinar that, uh, let's say, I think the podcast will be after the webinar. So you're going to actually dive a lot deeper into that flywheel during that webinar. And uh, actually, f- feedback which should be on, is going to be on that webinar. So I'm sure we'll have a copy of it. So that means down in the notes section of, uh, of the podcast or the uh, YouTube, I'll have a link or we'll have some information or contact myself or yourself about it. And uh, we'll definitely make sure that people get more information about that flywheel. So what other, like, what other things uh, that should people know about, you know, inspections? Like, I, I'm sure we missed a couple things. I mean, I, uh, what else should they know about inspections or when they need it or what else should happen during this inspection process? Like, what's it going to cost me? How do I get a hold of you? Where do I, uh, what do I send you? Or is there forms I fill out? Let, let's go over that a little more. Definitely. I think a really good place to start is why people think they don't need inspections. Mm. And I'm sure you've kind of seen this in the Amazon industry as well. A lot of people are like, oh, I have a simple product. Well, my supplier is rated well. I have Alibaba Trade Assurance. I'm paying them through PayPal and all this kind of stuff on why they don't need inspections. And, you know, obviously I'm coming from a source of bias because I run an inspections company. But at the same time, I founded this company because I saw the problems with the current inspections, the entire industry. So I think one of the biggest problems right now when it comes down to inspections is that people think that their payment provider is their, should be their first line of defense. That's Alibaba Trade Assurance, that's PayPal, that's other companies like your credit card. They think, okay, because I paid for my production order with my credit card for $10,000, $20,000, my credit card is going to protect me and save me if the production order goes wrong or I get something I didn't order. And that is the biggest misconception um, when it comes to payment providing, uh, when it comes to kind of the first line of defense. And I don't know, um, Rob, but have you heard of any horror stories with Alibaba trade assurance or um, with PayPal or credit cards? Uh, PayPal always. I mean, because I always had issues with PayPal. As far as the Alibaba insurance, the only issue I heard of, I think, was from you, actually, at one of the meetups. You were kind of explaining some of the issues you ran into with it. Why don't you explain to them the uh, issue you ran into with that insurance and, and how it isn't really guaranteed? Definitely. So... Uh, so I didn't have the issue personally. Uh, it's an issue that uh, one of my uh, friends had, but also at the same time, the uh, if you look on Facebook, if you look on Facebook groups, you know those large Facebook groups, really any Amazon Facebook group, and you search up Alibaba Trade Assurance or PayPal. PayPal is notorious. Whether you're a buyer or a seller, there's always problems. It's kind of like a flip of coin. Whether you're going to get your money back uh, or make your money if you're a seller, but with Alibaba Trade Assurance, if you search up really any 
really any Facebook group, you'll find horror stories about Alibaba trade assurance. And the reason behind that is that have you ever wondered, you know, when you talk to a supplier in Alibaba, why they give you their email address and they give you all their information? A lot of times they say, okay, hey, yeah, we'll just wire us the payment. Uh, we can do this transaction outside of Alibaba, or, or we can do this with trade assurance. We take TT for payment terms. Now, if you guys have ever worked on Upwork or you work on any other platform, uh, you know, freelance platform or a platform that's commission-based, those guys have policies in place against requesting for payment outside the site, against working outside of the site. They say only use our services and things like that because they make their money on the payment fee. Like Upwork makes their money on the commission they charge between the freelancers and the, um, and the employers. But... Alibaba doesn't care because they make their money on charging suppliers, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, $100,000, whatever it might be a year to promote their factory on the search results page, whether it's, you know, at the top or a little bit at the bottom. That's where Alibaba's money comes. It comes from the suppliers protecting the reputation of the best paying suppliers and giving them more business, not so much the consumer. That's why you can use Alibaba for free. You can talk to suppliers for free. You can find products there for free. And then you can pay and do the entire transaction outside of Alibaba, but you'll still get a phone call from Alibaba saying, hey, you're a great buyer. You know, here's your account manager. Yeah. Even if you've given them no money. So yes. the the biggest thing that um, when it comes down to Alibaba trade assurance and really other ones, I, I don't want to speak on the behalf of the service because I also don't want to get sued. But at the same <laughs> time, the in your uh, personal opinion, right? In my in my personal opinion and um, in my personal experience, what I've seen is that. If the when you're contracting with a supplier, it doesn't matter if you're doing wire, you're doing PayPal, or you're doing Alibaba trade insurance. Most of the time, uh, the people who are buying these products they don't have specifications in place, right? So when we're doing like electronics and we have an engineer on duty, then we have like this giant spec sheet. But for on a general product, even for like a pot and a pan, right? Like a simple pot, it might be, oh, I just want a pot nonstick, you know, this kind of coating. But there's a chemical in the coating. There is a chemical formulation to the coating. There is a chemical formulation to how that coating sticks to the pan. There's a chemical formulation on how that pan is created, what temperature the steel is hardened to or whatever. There's a lot of little tiny specifications that go into the product. But generally in the contract, you're just saying, okay, hey, I want a nonstick pan with this level of nonstick or whatever. And it's just a very simple spec sheet. So supplier gets that order and they deliver. And you know, oftentimes they might cut out a couple of steps. They might cut out some chemicals or some of the functionality compared to the sample they sent you, but it's still within that spec sheet that you got a quote for. So it passes Alibaba Trade Assurance. You still got what you paid for, even though it might not be as premium of a product or as durable of a product compared to the samples or whatever else, uh, the information you get from the factory. So in that case, you're not covered. In a similar way, when you work with PayPal, a lot of people don't know, and I discovered this the hard way actually, is that if you split payments for one order, like let's say you have an order for $10,000 and you put a 30% deposit of $3,000 and then you send a 70% deposit of $7,000 and then later on you go in to uh, essentially get a refund or file a dispute, because you split the payments into two different payments, that's automatically not covered anymore by PayPal buyer protection. Yeah. So people think that you know they're giving the money all through PayPal, but PayPal has a ton of policies. And then they also 
focus on that aspect. A lot of times, if you've done a purchase through eBay, you can use eBay buyer protection and they'll cover the shipping back if the item's not as described. But PayPal will tell you to ship the item back to the seller, which a lot of times, if you're you know getting an item for $4 from China, PayPal buyer protection means spend $40 to get $4 back. Yeah. And exactly. In the same way, you know, you're getting a large production order from China, you know, you might spend five, ten, twenty thousand dollars on the production order and two, three thousand dollars to ship it, but shipping it back might cost you seven thousand dollars. So in the same way, you know, you're not really getting any protection. There's no real layer of protection. That should not be the first line of defense. Uh, because you have to really look at the roots, right? Where is Alibaba getting their money from? Where is PayPal getting the money from? If PayPal is the buyer, you know, PayPal really sides with you and does the right thing always and kind of gives you the the benefit of the doubt versus giving the supplier because you know your invoice wasn't as detailed it's kind of your negligence at that point uh, at the same time you know paypal alibaba these guys wouldn't be in business so in the same way you have to kind of take a look into that like you know obviously you're being sold something but where is the root of the the root of these companies and how they're conducting their business yeah. So, I mean, the point we're getting to is you, you got to cover yourself, right? And the way you do right. that is with these inspections, you know, before you end up getting that product where you're trying to ship it back and you can't ship it back because it's going to cost you more than the products probably to ship it back there, or it's just not worth it at that point. You get these inspections right. done. So that way, you know, ahead of time going into production and then after production, before it even ships out of China, that these things are at least 99.9% good quality and ready to go. I got a great story that we got these samples and we had like a a plastic mold injection, right? We get these samples, they're great. And then maybe about three, four later, three, four different runs later, right? And this was several months later, we get this batch in and they're just like having all kinds of problems, the plastic's breaking and we're just like, what the heck? Well, luckily we were actually on our way over to China for a show. So we went over to the factory, come to find out what they were doing was they were originally using like uh, plastic pellets that were like brand new. And then they switched to recycled plastic pellets to save money. And what happened was that that recycled plastic was a little bit thinner, a little bit cheaper quality. And we're just like, we're talking pennies, but for them when they're doing, you know, hundreds of thousands of runs, it adds up for them. So these are things that would have been caught. And then, I mean, we actually started using uh, inspection companies after that point. But I mean, that was, that ended up costing us. I mean, we had a whole run of these things that we ended up basically had to just like get, you know, get rid of them and not even sell them because it would have just hurt our rating. So that is what we're talking about. These different things we're talking about right now can be avoided by using inspections like this. So right. why don't you, let's dive into your background and let's talk, talk about where you came from. Uh, you know, what brought you to this point, how the company got started, but let's go with you personally, kind of where you came from and then what brought the company up to, you know, get to start this company and start doing inspections. Sure. Definitely. Uh, if you, if you don't mind, I just want to mention, yeah, two more no, throw something in there. That. Yeah. So with that example, you just mentioned, um, you know, on a general basis, like with PayPal or Alibaba trade insurance, even with your credit card, uh, one thing to remember, your credit card is just a mediator. They're not really providing any buyer protection. Yeah. Um, but, um, with, you know, Alibaba Trade Assurance or PayPal, uh, that example that you just mentioned would not be covered because it's not like, I highly doubt that in your invoice you said, okay, I want this level of plastic from this so raw material supplier. It just said, oh, yeah. plastic, you know, recycled plastic, plastic. It, it doesn't matter in the invoice. You know, the, the term is set. So 
you know, that's a really big, important thing to consider. And when you do an inspection before you ship the product or before uh, you're doing or during production, you have the payment leverage. You have that 30% deposit. They've already spent all the money on making the products. So you, if anything is wrong, if 5%, 10% of the units are defective, whatever it might be, they want your business and they're going to fix those products. Um, and you can catch that while you have the leverage versus when you pay them, it's okay. You know, you bought the order, we'll fix it on the next one. You know, and that's a little bit too late. But I have a really good example as well. And I, I want to also kind of mention that. And uh, that kind of takes into account lamps, uh, an example of lamps. Now, what normal inspection companies do, uh, which is 99.9% of them, they don't have a structured process to provide statistically significant results. So they generally pick out like three units for a function test out of maybe a thousand units. And uh, they test those three units and they're like, okay, the test passed for the entire sample size. The sample size is just a visual inspection sample size. And uh, so we do that as well, but we also have another sample size for function tests and things like that. And we actually make that transparent and clear. And we also give you the ability to set that up to the entire visual sample size, which is really important because like, let's say you do a lamp, you can have a thousand lamps and 900 of them could be defective, but they can test a uh, normal inspection company would test 300 of those lamps and they would find, okay, visually they look good, but even though they're all completely defective and then they would pick three lamps and they happen to pick 100, uh, you know, one of the 100 working lamps out of the a thousand because they came in one side of the boxes or one side of, uh, oh, you know, all the cartons where the production is in the factory they can test those three units and say, okay, hey, this inspection passed and 900 of your lamps can be defective, but the inspection would still come out as a pass. So it's, it's pretty ridiculous how the current industry runs. And even if you tell the, you know, these inspection companies, hey, let's do you know, 100 units or test all 300 units for the sample size, uh, for this function test, a lot of times, and I've seen this, I've had this experience personally myself when I was importing electronics, these inspection companies, first of all, do not charge you for the extra time. And that's the first red flag because they don't have a process in place to actually calculate that. So they go to the factory and they do what they normally would have done no matter what they tell you. And the second thing, is that when they do those tests and they come back, you don't know, you have no clarity that, okay, they tested three units or they tested 300 units because you don't even know if they can understand your English. Half the time it's in broken English communication. So that's extremely important. And you know, if they get lucky, they'll do the test at least on three units correctly if you get lucky. You know, otherwise, it's just kind of like a free flow. It doesn't really make sense. But yeah, I just wanted to add that in there yeah. before uh, we switch yeah, topics. Three Three items, you're kind of rolling the dice. I mean, that, that's yeah. not enough of a sample. If you're doing, say, you know, 10,000 or even 100,000 items, three units is not enough to get. And even though it's random, it's still just not enough to really catch something. Right. So. And if you look, yeah. And if you look on Alibaba, like those inspection companies, they recommend, they literally advertise it. And it's so funny that uh, they can do this. If you look on Alibaba, you know, their inspection company list, they're literally the recommended supplier. Oh yeah, we'll test 50 units and we'll test three units for function test, or we'll test yeah. up to 300 units and we'll test one to three units for function test. They literally advertise that, Hey, our inspections are useless, yeah. but uh, <laughs> You know, in other not words, not detailed enough, not detailed enough right. to catch it when you're doing a big enough order. All right. Tell us about your background and how you got this company started. Definitely. So uh, a brief background. So I've been manufacturing for about seven years and most of that manufacturing has been in China. And for a portion of that time, I would say the last uh, three to four 
four years, I've been doing really highly customized electronics. So really complex products, a lot of parts like our bill of materials for a circuit board can be, you know, 150, 200 different parts for one electronic product. So really complex supply chains, a lot of different manufacturing uh, assemblies and things like that going on. And uh, in that experience working with electronics, I've also been part of two patent pending projects. Uh, but in 2017, uh, kind of the turning point where I really started kind of looking into inspections and all this kind of stuff is while we were manufacturing these products, we were doing inspections with some of the top tier firms in China. You know, we're talking like three, $400 a man day and, uh, you know, with plus credit card fees, additional fees, things like that. And uh, we were getting past inspections and we were getting our products and we were like, okay, hey, we're getting a 5 or 10% defect rate. What's going on right off the bat? And then after one or two months, the products were breaking apart. We couldn't understand why it's happening. One order might be great and the next order is breaking apart in two weeks with a 20% defect rate. And we're like, okay, why is this happening? So I actually lived in Shenzhen for six months in 2017, trying to figure out, okay, what's going on? Why are my products coming out bad? Some days good, some days bad. It was like a gamble every time I did an order. I was not sure like, hey, am I going to have customer service issues? Uh, what's my profit going to be on this order? It was literally a gamble every time I made an order and I had no peace of mind. So I did what any uh, crazy entrepreneur would do. And I went to China and I just moved there for six months. And... Um, uh, it, was, it wasn't like all at once, but over the course of a year, it was about a collective six months I lived there. And I went to like tens of factories, probably in the low hundreds, kind of looking at the production, looking at the process, seeing how the inspections were conducted, the QCs, looking at the supplier audits. So we did supplier audits even before uh, I went to China. And we were also doing inspections before I went to China. So I was looking at those reports, calling the inspectors when I was in the factory, seeing how they do the inspections. And that's when I started finding out all these issues that, hey, you know, these inspectors are doing, you know, three units on the function test. They're not even looking at the product. The supplier audits, they're just checking, you know, basic boxes. They're not actually looking at criteria that actually affects the success or the failure of the product or the production and things like that. I started noticing a lot of holes, a lot of flaws. And it really occurred to me that what happens is that most of these inspection companies, they're just, you know, they're just businesses. So, you know, we'll go to the factory, we'll do an inspection. They're like mom and pop shops that employ people. It's like you have money in China, you can employ some other people and okay, great. I'm going to start an inspections company. And you know, that's, that's not how it works. There's a lot of processes, a lot of uh, procedures that go into it. There's trainings and these inspection companies and these supplier audits, uh, these companies that are doing that literally had no training. They were just sending random people out and they were coming into the factories, just checking a couple of things, checking boxes and, you know, the whole supply chain was essentially mismanaged. Like I was talking to um, uh, one of my, we were talking to an internal team. Uh, we had an internal team meeting a few weeks ago and we were talking a little bit about this and kind of the, you know, the experience that I had there. And literally the name we call China internally is the Wild West. That's literally right. what we call it at Mobley. And yeah. it's, that's really what it is. The environment is so ridiculous. There's so little accountability, so little, you know, manufacturing security that uh, it just doesn't make sense. You know, there was, there was negligence, there was lying, there was bribes outright. Now they won't make the bribes obvious. A lot of times they might take the inspector to lunch or they might take the inspector to uh, dinner after the inspection is over. Um, you know, so the inspector will essentially give them a just enough passing rating. Yeah. 
won't, they won't lie completely. They won't say, you know, hey, zero units are defective or five units are defective. The allowable quantity is, let's say, 20 units. They might say, oh, yeah, we, we just hit 19 or 18, and they give it the pass rating. And uh, one of the ways actually we figured out to defeat that is we, so our inspection is just a brief background. So we charge about $300 a mandate and we have a launch special going on, which is until March, 2020. So we have a little bit of a further discount initially to kind of uh, bring in some more awareness into the kind of the program and our services. But one of the things we do with our inspections is that the reason we're able to do a $300 inspection is because we have a tech platform that we use internally. Now, most inspection companies that charge 400 450 a mandate for the same quality of inspections we do for 300 they do not have a tech platform or a back-end platform. And one of the things we do with our inspector portal is that our inspectors actually do not know the passing quantity for an inspection. So if the allowable quantity is 20 units, we do not tell them that it's 20 units. We just have them report the results. Uh. And that's... Exactly. And that's incredibly useful because what that does is the inspector doesn't know, hey, can I get it to 19 or 18? Because they don't know the number is set at 20. So for the allowable quantity, the number might be set at 30 or 40 for all they know. So they might say 25 or 30 and that's still a fail on our books. Yeah, that's that's good to know for sure. And I mean, obviously, you guys kind of are setting yourself apart. You, you've been there. You've been through the experience. You've been to you know hundreds of factories. I I've probably been under 100 factories, but I've been quite a few myself. So that kind of information comes in handy. Understanding the process over there, the fact that you were, lived over there for quite a while and you went to these places, understood the process. So tell everybody how they get a hold of you, how they find out about your company or get a hold of yourself if they have questions. Tell them, uh, tell them what they need to do to uh, basically learn more information about this inspection process and get a hold of you. Yeah, definitely. Um, so two, two things real quick there. Uh, yeah. First thing is that, uh, you know, with these other inspection companies and a lot of these other supplier audits, they've not operated as, um, you know, actually on a production line, actually uh, working on a product that's been sold to the market. So they mm -hmm. don't have the insights that go with that and kind of what determines a successful product in the market. So that's one real area that we designed our process around is, okay, how can we, we looked at the success of products in the market and how they actually turn out versus just the service uh, as a standalone. And that's, I think, really important to consider. Now, second thing is that uh, in terms of where to find us, so you can find us at movley.com. That's M-O-V-L-E-Y.com. And uh, we have a free call. It's like a 20, 30-minute consultation. So if you're looking to do inspections, you don't know how to start, you have a lot of questions, whatever it might be, just hit the Get Started button on the page and you can enter in your details and you can actually talk with someone, uh, one of our supply chain experts, on a call, and that's kind of our sales call. Is it's not really pitchy. We're focused more on consultating, uh, consultative selling. So, like, we'll explain process, explain the you know, answer your questions, and kind of see if it really is a true fit for your business. And another thing that really scares off a lot of people is the price. And one thing I'd really like to mention is that the price is customizable. So, you know, if you're doing a two or three man day inspection, a lot of times working with us, that inspection might be two man days or even less, depending on how you structure your criteria. Like, for example, if you're, you're doing weight and dimension measuring measurements, a lot of times if your product is not that heavily dependent on weight or dimensions, you may not need to inspect the entire sample size for that. So we do a lot of customizations, a lot of things to really save costs. And then additionally to that, uh, 
one thing to kind of keep in mind is that you know the more tests you do, the more thorough you want us to be, the more complex your product is, the more expensive it's going to be. Versus if you want us to do something more light, more you know just go to the factory, check it like a visual inspection with a couple of quick function tests on like half the sample size, that's going to take a lot less time. And it's the price is really modular. You choose exactly what you need, and we can go as complex as you want or as simple as you want. So the complexity should not, uh, don't let that scare you with all the function tests, the safety tests, the wear and tear tests. We have people to support you, people to guide you as well uh, to answer your questions, as well as uh, an overall you know, process that's really customizable and adaptable. Yeah, no, that's perfect. So again, that's M-O-V-L-E-Y.com. Head on over there, click on the button, contact them, set up a consultation with them, and, you know, ask any questions you need, you know, even if you're, you've never done an inspection, they'll, they'll be happy to walk you through the, you know, what you're going to need, the paperwork you're going to, what's going to happen, let them know what product you're doing, and they'll help you out with the different process to get that inspection done. So head on over there and thanks for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Rob. Uh, I hope this was valuable to everybody and thanks so much for uh, listening. All right. You have a good day. Thanks for joining us this week on the Ecom Wiz Podcast. Special thanks to our sponsor, FeedbackWiz.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you'll never miss an episode. Join us next week for more great tips to help Amazon sellers dominate the marketplace.